in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Alright, welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show with your host, Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Hello everyone. Oh, we got another good one for you today. Another great show. The topic today, the millennial reign of Christ. The one everyone's looking forward to. Oh, that wonderful millennial reign of Christ. (laughs) What was it like? The millennial reign of Christ was not utopia. And what we're going to explain to you today, and this is things you don't really hear of in your churches most of the time, is that the millennial reign of Christ wasn't this everybody's at peace, everybody's just doing all this wonderful stuff. No, it was not a time of no turbulence going on. There was sin, there was rebellion, there was all this stuff going on there, and we will prove this. By the time you're done with this show, you will know for a fact what happened during the millennial reign of Christ was not some paradise on earth. Well, it's all in the details. It wasn't this all (laughs) honky-dory. Most churches these days are really are awaiting the return of Christ. When Christ returns, he's going to usher in the millennial reign. Which is this peaceful, tranquil, everything's copacetic and happy-go-lucky. Unfortunately, this isn't what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're going to show you, give you the proof you need Mm -hmm. to combat this kind of teaching and this false teaching. Because it's not like sin is gone from the world. I wish sin was gone from this world. Oh, do I wish that. Okay. But because I wish something doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know, we don't have some genie around here. Uh, oh, I want to wish for a uh, knows more sin in this world. No, right. it doesn't work that <laughs> way. God has a system and plan in, in place, and yes. we have to understand that. So we're going to read a couple passages of Scripture to prove right. to you what we're talking about. I wish the world was the way we want it to be. You know, mm-hmm. everything was peaceful, tranquil, everyone doing what they should be doing, everyone following Christ. But in reality, we know how our world works. It isn't that way. Well, you know, just because we want something to go away doesn't mean it's going to happen. And even our lives today doesn't necessarily go the way we want because God has a different plan. But things kind of have to work their way out before it can get better. All right. Well, the first passage we're going to look at is actually in the book of Revelation. Remember, Revelation was actually written to Mm -hmm. seven separate churches. And today we're going to look at this one church called the Church in Thyatira. Jesus gave them a message here, a very important message. And you have to understand, these were real churches. They were going through real struggles. Some 
preachers actually want to teach that each one of these churches was a different age of the of the church age, okay. which is ridiculous. No, there these were real churches, and they had all had a little bit separate, different problems. And Christ was in the first couple chapters of the Bible, uh-huh. uh, I mean, of the Book of Revelation, was addressing this issue. Now we're going to read Revelation chapter two, and we're going to start with verse twenty-five through twenty-seven. Go ahead and read that one. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes. And keeps my works until the end. To him I will give power over the nations. Because here he was telling this church, hold fast until mm-hmm. I come. Christ was going to get rescue this church. Essentially mm-hmm. that's what he stated. According to most, this church is gone now. There's no more church in Thyatira now. So if that were true, Christ would be a liar because he didn't, maybe they, they did hold fast until they came, but he never came yet. Right, right, now, right. Now the church is gone. No, see, this is a message explaining to you even more evidence that Christ already came and rescued this church, just as he said he was. That Jesus Christ is a person of his word. That he always, when he gives his word, that he is going to rescue somebody, Mm -hmm. he will rescue that people. He will never lie to you. And what we're saying is is he he kept his word and he Mm -hmm. rescued this church. But then after he says, hold fast until I come, he says, and he who overcomes, which means there's a condition. And that condition right. actually applies to us as well. We have to overcome as well. Overcoming is a key obstacle, a key thing that we have to do in this life as well. Enduring to the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. enduring to the end. I mean, the Bible's very clear on this. Right. He's not. Christ isn't just going to give us all these rewards if we aren't willing to endure to the end. We have to make it all the way through. Right. Persevere. Till when? Till great white throne judgment. Till yeah. Till <laughs> it's over. You know. Till great white throne judgment. Till. We get our new resurrected bodies, essentially till death. Where we're at, we've got to, we've got to persevere till death. That's where we're at now. Well, no giving up. No, it's too hard. No, he knows that it's hard, but he also knows what we can. He gives us the strength we need, but what we need to get through. Now, on this one, he talks about giving that church the power over the nations. Because remember, that first Armageddon judgment was against the nations. Okay, we talked about that in a previous show. These nations were going to be, it was a judgment against nations, is what Armageddon was. We know from Revelation chapter 20 that the people that are part of the first resurrection will be priests of God and will reign with, with Christ right. for the thousand years. In other words, they're, gonna, they're there reigning with Christ. Christ is reigning and the people that overcame and became part of the first resurrected, they also were reigning with Christ. As far as I can tell, you don't need somebody reigning over you if you're obedient. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you know you know how parents are these days. <laughs> it's like a parent doesn't need to parent his kids unless the kids are being bad rebellious. Bad, have, yeah. have bad behavior, right. Yeah, you know, every, any parent understands that. If a child's being good, you don't have to parent your kid. Just like... You don't have to, Jesus Christ didn't have to reign over somebody who was obedient. And that's why the Bible says he's going to continue to reign until every enemy is under his feet. Amen. Once every enemy is under his feet, he doesn't right. need to reign anymore. Everyone will be unified. Right. We'll all be obedient. We'll all be submissive. One, unified as one. So he shall rule them with an rod of iron. They shall be dashed into pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. Okay, did you hear what he just told this church? That this church was going to do what? He, They were going to rule with a rod of iron, iron. during the millennial reign. 
these nations that were that had survived all the the cataclysmic events that happened, they were going to be ruled by not just this church. I believe that all the saints that were reigning with Christ during the first resurrection mm-hmm. were ruling them with an iron, a rod of iron. You don't need rods of iron if you got a bunch of obedient subjects, do you? No, you don't need you know coming down with a hard gavel, so to speak, and. <laughs> You know, in a threatening and domineering way, but you need a submissive and obedient people. But maybe that's what it took for them to be submissive. Well, it, I think it's kind of like a parent has to spank their child when a child is acting up. This is kind of what this rod of iron represented, that there are things that the church, that the uh, first resurrected had to do in order to keep in line the people at that time. I think especially early on. Now, I think this was early millennial reign, in my opinion. And I'll hmm. explain more about this later. But I believe these this rod of iron scenario was very early in the millennial reign of Christ. So you don't think he needed it toward the end? Because at the end, weren't they going to end a little more, kind of more sinful? Well, and Well, what I was going to do is I want to do another program, another show, on explaining why I believe that way. Okay. And it has everything to do with how history... Typically, it repeats itself. That history, in general, will repeat itself. Right. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do another show explaining how this is how the Lord worked when He came to Israel when He brought them out of Egypt. Same kind of scenario, right? Was where harsh, He kind of had to, had to be very harsh with them at the very mm-hmm. beginning. I mean, Achan, you know, hey, we're, we're going to kill you for stealing that thing. And later on, the people were doing ten times things, ten right. times worse than that, right. and no repercussions at all. Because mm. see, essentially, he started out being very strict, but then it moved on from there, and he let them self-govern and self-rule. It's almost like he took the training wheels off. And I think this is what Christ did, because you know Christ would do the same thing his father did when it came to Israel. Right. So we can use Israel as an example of okay. what happened during the millennium. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think what happens early on, he had to you know set up the training wheels. Okay, right. We're going to get this thing going. <laughs> We're going to get the millennial reign going. And once it got going, he basically took a step back to see if the people would be obedient to him without mm. force. Okay, so self-governing was a way of seeing if they were responsible enough to handle and be and perform the way they needed to be. Can I prove this biblically? No, but I'm just using history as a guide. Yeah. How God dealt with Israel, I believe that's how Christ dealt with the people that he was reigning over during right. the millennial reign. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of uh, similarities about things, how they kind of repeat or have a similar form of how they went, like the recipe of the Old Testament. Okay, so here's the one example here. Of course, rod of iron, they will be, they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. That sounds pretty brutal, in my opinion. I'm just reading that, thinking to myself, man, you're, you're these, these people, these... Holy ones mm-hmm. that are for part of the first resurrection have to do these things to help guide the the, the people in line. Keep well, them in line. I don't know. I just when I read that and I was thinking that I was thinking of when all of Pharaoh's army was destroyed when the yeah. Red Sea came. Well, like crashing I said, there's many similarities here to the Pharaoh's army to how it all uh-huh. went down. Uh-huh. This is exactly what I see. There's parallels between right. how God dealt with the nation of Israel and all the other nations around uh-huh. them during that time in the Bible 
in the Exodus story and what I believe Jesus and the first resurrected mm. had to deal with. Yeah. Very similar. Okay. And this is mm-hmm. what, and I'll have another one and I'll go over all the similarities. And it's more than just coincidental of all the things we know about the millennial reign what happened before the millennial reign, what happens after the millennial mm. reign. There are so many parallels to what happens in the Old Testament. That's great. It was a shadow mm-hmm. of what was to come. Old Testament was a shadow of what was happening in the New Testament. Plain and simple. History repeats itself, so right. we, we can now, we don't have to rely upon fake history. It's a template. Right. Because we know we don't know for a fact what happened in history because... We know most of those of us have, who have done any research realizes a lot of our history has been falsified, mm-hmm. faked. It's not real. It's, it's it's all what they want us to know. It's not truth. But I right. believe the truth comes in our biblical history, mm-hmm. and we can use that as a guidepost to see what happened in real history. Well, and that really makes sense because I think the truth is there. And God wants us to find it, and I think it's obvious if we trust Him that He will show exactly where the truth is. Because He left, He left basically like a trail or a you know some clues for us to find it. Revelation chapter nineteen. Now this mm. is towards the end of Armageddon, where Jesus Christ and of course the resurrected saints are just going around destroying, basically punishing the nations mm. for their sin and for all the stuff that went on. You know, they're, they're basically it was a judgment against the nation. We explained this before in another, another one. Revelation chapter 19, we're going to start with verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Given an example of what happened in the Armageddon event where Christ was coming down in his white horse, you notice what he was doing here judges and makes war. Christ wasn't coming back a second time or a return trip like the first time. The first time he came, he came as a little infant baby, right? Mm-hmm. Born into this world. Second time around, he's an adult now. You're supposed to put milk and stuff away. He's no longer mm-hmm. a baby anymore that, you know, can't really... Now he's going to judge the nation. Armies in heaven clothed in fine linen. In other words, he had armies coming with him. It was uh-huh. the it was the holy angels coming down, just like it right. said in all the other passages. Holy angels right. were coming down to help him out. They were coming coming from heaven to help him out. They're clothed in fine linen, so they got spiritual power like right. out the wazoo there, you know? <laughs> and they followed him on the white horse. In other words, they were following Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just like a leader that would be like behind the scenes doing everything from like the back like a lot of these leaders are today they'll send right they, they'll send all these other people out to war mm-hmm. but they themselves won't ever go out to war. well it's kind of like if you watch any of these historic kind of movies or shows the king has always um got a, um, some kind of a like pawns they can be used that's what a lot of these leaders do they those who are expendable that's what i was thinking but we see our lord right our savior he is not going to just, oh, well, he's going to let everybody else fight his battles for him. No, he was right there in the forefront of the, of the war. Of course, knowing you have a, um, <laughs> a body that can never die, right. you cannot be killed 
you know, made it kind of easier, I, I suppose, that, you know, he wasn't mortal anymore, he was immortal, so that made him uh, able to, like, boom, you know, I can I can, I can, can take on this war, I'll, I'm going to go wrong. Well, I'm going to do what I need to right. do, because I'm... But you notice here, he okay. was coming with a sword. Now, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. When Christ returns here, if there's a bunch of obedient subjects, why would he need right. to strike the nations? I'm just, you just use some common sense here, folks. Why would you need to strike the nations with the sword if everybody was being obedient to him? These were the, re the re rebels. The people left on earth when he returned. Because remember, all the righteous, they, they're, they're part of the first resurrected. Everybody left over is, mm -hmm. you guessed it, not the righteous. Not the first resurrected. In other words, they're the wicked. So now, what, what do they do? Oh, we got to fight against that. Well, you're going to go ahead and fight against the Lord. Good luck. Good luck with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> because that's essentially what they needed. There, there's no chance they were going to win this. Because you're, they're, going up, they're, they're going up against immortal people. People that cannot die. And the holy angels as well. Each holy angel is very powerful. That's why this was a, a lopsided fight to begin with. And there's absolutely zero losses on Christ's side. That's amazing. It all was the losses of the people that were disobedient. Right. And they were, of course, gonna they were in rebellion against Christ's authority, his rightful claim as King right. of Kings and Lord of Lords. He himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So here he basically says... He's going to rule them with an iron, a, a rod of iron, just like he said before. Mm -hmm. Just like he said in, in to the uh, Thyatira church. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. He's coming there to put God's wrath on these nations. This is why I, I told That's you this. That's a punishment, man. This is a judgment against the nation. This is what was going on here. The fierceness and wrath of Almighty God was coming wow. with Christ. I'm sure glad I wasn't part of that. No, no. I'm thinking about all the punishments we got as kids, and that, like, is way worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be a time where I, you know, I wouldn't, really would not want to be in that situation where these people were. Because here they were, it talks about fervent heat, a lot of people, you know, basically going into caves because it was so hot, and the judgment against nations was severe, not only... Were they killed the Son of God? They were, they were guilty of that Rome and all the, that they ruled. We're all guilty of that. But now they were all going up against Christ, his authority and power to rule the Challenging nations. Challenging him. Mm -hmm. And this is what's going on here. Well, and they weren't going to get away with it. And so God had to really, Christ as the helm, was going to make them accountable for their actions. Now, let's go ahead and read verse 16 here. One last verse. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords so that's how we know it is jesus christ right. it, you know even though he didn't say him by name they well just, the word of god gave it away right 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 mm -hmm. we know we know this is jesus christ coming down here right kicking butt taking names <laughs> yeah, wiping the, the floor with all of them <laughs> yeah judging the nation and this already <laughs> happened a lot of churches kind of think this is a future event here what we're saying here, no, this is no future event. This is right. an event that happened in the past. And it's ancient history now. Which is kind of good because this seems really scary. That they were going to have to suffer this punishment. Well, that makes sense. But that they were going to have to suffer this punishment because of their involvement in, at the time in previous years. But that's how God works. He doesn't let anyone slip by who needs to be held accountable for their actions. Okay, well, we got one more, one more verse to look over. 
Okay, that well, those two weren't enough that, oh, everything was going to be peachy king during the mm. millennial reign of Christ, mm-hmm. because it didn't sound that great, <laughs> for, at least from the get-go. Now, we get from Zechariah 14, we get a little extra details. <laughs> okay. That's why I love Zechariah 14. I, I That's my go-to to, for explaining a lot of things that happened that many preachers don't want to address. They want to ignore all these passages of scriptures. Hmm. No, we use them all because they're all important. Well, is it now, because they can't explain how that fits in everything? Uh, that's my guess, mm-hmm. is it doesn't fit into their narrative. See, they right. got a narrative and a the- theological teaching, mm. and if any if any passage of Scripture doesn't fit into that, they either say it's a future event that hasn't happened yet, uh-huh. or they just don't ever teach on it. But no, what we're huh. saying is, is Zechariah 14, the scenario that happened, that mm. explains... The coming of the Lord at the time right. when they were, when Jerusalem was just about to completely destroy. There's just a remnant of people left. Wow. We talked about that on previous shows. That there's only a few people left. Christ came down and all the saints came down with him and landed on the Mount of Olives. This, this is the beginning of Armageddon. They came down on the Mount of Olives and then we know what happened later on. They started kicking some butt. Because <laughs> that's kind of what, what Revelation chapter 19 it kind of explains. Yeah, kind of. Kicking butt, taking names. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, the holy angels, and of course we have what, what, what we read about with the churches. The first resurrected were all right. saints of God. And they were right. reigning with Christ, so they were all helping out. Well, and Christ had all the authority because that God gave it to him. But he was doing what God wanted him to do was straighten up the disheveled and disobedient people that were so, not behaving well. Here in Zechariah, when. Jesus sets foot on the Mount of Olives. This is when the war starts between Christ Uh and the first resurrected with the holy angels against the armies of the world. Rome was not going to just, hey, you know, we're we're controlling everything. Uh They're not going to take this lion down. They're going to fight. We're going to fight. fight. You're not going to take our, well, Mm -hmm. this is what happens here. And Zechariah 14, 16 explains exactly what happens. When Christ came down with all the saints, then he set up Jerusalem like his home base. And I believe this is his home base even to this day. That's amazing. Don't mistake the true biblical Jerusalem to this fake Jerusalem they have over there in the Middle East that we call Jerusalem today. That's not, I don't believe it's the same place. And I can prove this biblically. I, I've even heard recently that, you know, that was a created place. But the thing is, is we can't always trust what we're told and what is, is established out and out there. We have to see how it matches up to God's word. And if you were to read the Old Testament and see how big then that land was supposedly during the time of Joshua and them conquering, it just doesn't seem to even fit in that perspective. Jesus Christ came and he's reigning right now in Jerusalem. Or shall we call it the new Jerusalem? With the saints. With the saints, with the first what we call the first resurrected, resurrected. Right. And he's reigning right now. See he made Jerusalem as a home base so that there would be no more no n- nothing else. It would be like, okay, this is I, I'm I'm taking over the city. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be my home base. And then Right now, he's reigning from there right now. It's not the same place, that theme park place we call Jerusalem (laughs) over there in the Middle East. That's a theme park over there. It's all designed to get tourists to go over there and think, oh, this is where Christ walked around and whatnot. Not the same place. And like I say, in a future show, I will prove this biblically. It's so easy to prove Mm -hmm. this. You just look at a lot of the wars that happen and what happened in the description of what. No way could that be the Jerusalem in 
our our Bibles. But see, that, no way. that's really interesting. And I know we're not talking about that now, but think about it. Everything that the devil is trying to do is trying to basically corrupt and make things look as though they are the, the realistic, like, you know, but they he's covering it all up. He's trying to make it um, to where it it's not supposed to supposedly pass for God's. But it's not God's. It's it's always Satan's replica. It's never going to be as good as God's. See, all they all they had to do is just, hey, here's a city right here. We'll just call this Jerusalem and say this is holy. That's essentially all Satan and is our. And put a few uh, interesting landmarks. And then, and of whatnot. course, uh, these archaeological <laughs> digs yeah. that show up and find all this interesting stuff, mm-hmm. like the shroud of Jesus and whatnot. Right. It's, it's it's so pathetic when they're trying too hard. That's how you know it's fake, because. Yeah. They, they, they find way too much stuff from back then, which is supposedly over a thousand years ago. Right. And all of a sudden they're finding right. all this stuff. It's right. ridiculous. The real Jerusalem Christ is reigning for right now because there will be no more sin in that city. The Bible actually mm-hmm. states this point blank. When Christ returns, it's going to be a sinless city from there on out. And this is why it, it has been ever since. Now, the location of the city. I don't believe that mortals like you and I can get there. I believe it's hidden away for a purpose. Christ has done this on purpose for us to have faith and trust in him Mm -hmm. and not just, oh, here's my city. Why don't you come in here and I'll show you all these wonderful things so you believe in me scenario. No, we are supposed to have faith in God. And that means without sight, without seeing all these miraculous signs, seeing Christ reigning from his city. That's why he hid his city from us all these years. And it's still hidden to this day, but it is still there now. Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. After these nations were all beat down, they were destroyed, they were put into submission using the iron rod, iron scepter. They were supposed to come year after year to Jerusalem. Now, I believe this was early millennial reign. Okay, I don't think this was all the way through. This scenario was early on, and I can, like I explained how God dealt with Israel. Right. Early on, he was very strict with them, forced them to do all this stuff. But later on, he took the training wheels off, mm-hmm. and he said, okay, I need you guys to be doing what... Of course, people stop after that real right. quick. And, well, know, because, yeah, if you don't have someone kind of overseeing what you're doing, then you're going to just kind of get away with whatever you want to do. So these nations were supposed to come up. They're supposed to come up to Jerusalem. Every year, prove that, oh, yeah, this is my king, my lord, is, is Christ. Now, I, like I say, I, I believe this happened very early in the millennial reign of Christ, which is, you know, over a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's why we don't have record of it now, because because all that stuff's ancient history, and we, they didn't keep good records back then. Well, it might have gotten lost anyway. And well, all the... I'm sure it got buried. Yeah. I, that information, <laughs> I'm sure, got buried. They're not going to say this is what happened. Right, because the truth actually proves the Bible. Satan does not want this information out. Right. I'm telling you what happened, that these nations had to come up to King of Kings and Lord of Lords once a year to be it, it basically part of their obedience. That, yeah, he was reigning King of Kings, Lord of Lords, okay? Mm. So let's go ahead and read verse 17 there. Okay. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. And they shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up 
to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. All the families of the earth had to come up uh-huh. basically to give. I, I, yeah, I don't. I think it's what it is. Is like these are heads of the families that mm-hmm. are supposed to come up there and show respect. And in a way, I guess this is. I guess you could say the heads of these families are sort of like I hate to say this kings, the kings of the earth, the rulers that mm-hmm. were because at the, this time I think it was kind of like families and heads of families were kind of running things. There weren't kings at this time because there was already a king, king of king, right. lord of lords. We already had that. So what happened was just like what happened with the nation of Israel. Elders were running everything. Same exact thing happened here. This is how you. I know that history repeats itself, and so we we can now be right. very adamant and know. Okay, this is what happened in history. It was the elders that were running everything. Elders had to come up. Elders were mm-hmm. just basically heads of the families. That's what right. all elders yeah. were. Okay, heads of the families came up to mm-hmm. Jerusalem at this time. What happens if you didn't come up? Mm-hmm. Weather modification. <laughs> you know, we think weather modification is something that's just going on now. <laughs> Christ was using it back then against the nations that weren't being submissive to his rule. Right. Well, and he said it twice here. It was mentioned twice that there would be no rain. Yeah. Essentially, what he was doing is, okay, you don't want to come up and pay your respects to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. You just won't get any rain in your country. We'll see how long you last then. (laughs) Essentially, that's what Christ was doing to keep them in line. I think this was early millennial rain, in my opinion. Mm. Okay, I don't think this was later on. I think, like you say, he took the training wheels off. And, of course, that's how you get the mess of the of the Reformation movement. And all of a sudden, there a lot of corruption came mm-hmm. in the church as a result of that. But early on, they were forced to come up. And if they didn't, you get no rain. Christ was using weather modification and to keep the nations in line mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Just like what's going on now. With the weather modification programs that all these nations have today that are try- that, that are going on, Satan mimics everything that Christ did. He does. He really does. He's yeah. he's trying to show his power by not only doing what God does, but by doing it even better. Or he's just trying to outdo God. What I'm trying to state to you is things weren't all. Everything wasn't just oh a hunky dory. Everything right. was going great during right. Christ's millennial reign. We have proof here that after the return of Christ, three three texts shows yeah. that there wasn't they had to keep everybody in line right. because the the disobedient people around were mucking everything up at least at the very beginning that we see this well it's just really interesting that they weren't forced they were god at that point still allowed them to have their freedom and their bad behavior but they were able to at least fall in line when they decided to i guess you could say well, I think eventually everyone kind of came on board. And then after kind of all the nations were sort of compliant to Christ's wishes and everything, I think he kind of took the training wheels off at that point. And then that's when things started to kind of shift. And we see a lot of splits in the church. And we start seeing a lot of corruption bring up in the church. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is people in the church were like lording over. We already had a lord, which is Christ. But right. now... A lot of times the church had become lord over the people because that's what happens. People become corrupt and then they start ruling over the people. And then we see kings showing up later on and all this other corruption going on. And I'm going to go over what I think happened during the millennial reign on another episode. We just need to understand what I'm trying to show you here is the millennial reign of Christ wasn't utopia like what a lot of people, a lot of preachers are telling you Mm -hmm. today. So even if Christ would return, like they say, right now, according to the scriptures, I'm just showing you, it's not, it's not going to be fun times. It's going to be 
that you're going to have to go up year after year to Jerusalem and all that. And what I'm thinking is this is all ancient history, all in the past. Mm-hmm. But I'm proving to you, I'm showing you why the millennial reign was not as great and as glamorous as everybody said. Because even though Satan wasn't there, he is just one ringleader. There's still people will sin because in their hearts they want to sin. Exactly. Their flesh right. is there. They don't need Satan I, like, I doubt very often Satan can only tempt one person at a time personally. He cannot tempt you. He, and most likely the temptations and the struggles you go through every day is a result of your flesh. Not, not Satan actually right. personally attacking you. Because Satan can only be at one place at one time. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, he can't be anywhere, everywhere at once like right. God can. Most likely this is what was going on. People's flesh got in the way and during the millennial reign. And then things started to go downhill very quickly. Thus prompting the loosing of Satan. Next time, we'll go over another topic, a really good one. And it's going to be about the resurrection of the wicked. Bet you only thought that the righteous are going to get resurrected. Well, think again. Until next time, we're living in Satan's little season. Not only because it's biblical. Because it just makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslittleseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Little Season production.